BBCC episode 67, my realization of the day. Today we're talking Bones, where Snoop Dogg reportedly was very smitten by getting to kiss Pam Greer, because duh, who wouldn't? Well, the studio apparently, who cut out a lot of the romantic story out of this movie, brutally killing teenagers and gangsters? No problem. Two mature black folk kissing? No! The man always trying to keep the black man's dick down. Mm-mm-mm. Let's go ahead and get to the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. This is the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. I'm your boy, Devon Taylor, aka underscore daddy disc on Twitter and Instagram. And this is a horror movie podcast where we dive into the subgenres and franchises of some of our favorite spooky films. And this is week four, the end of Black Horror Cinema Month. Why did they got give us the shortest month? Damn it. Um, it would have been nice to have a fifth week in this uh, month, but it's all good. We have um, had some uh, great discussions, and um, speaking of discussing things, um, we, we, me and Garrett had a nice little uh, mini Texas chainsaw discussion. I should have recorded that before we were going, but Garrett, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm great. We have to we have to squeeze the nectar out of any conversation that we have. Get some hot content <laughs> out of that. True, true. Because like I mean, because I didn't want to do Texas Chainsaw right after we did Scream, since we did yeah. Scream in January. So, so we're yeah. gonna have to wait a hot minute before Texas Chainsaw. But I'd say we should probably do it still this year while Texas Chainsaw 2022 is still. Hey, you know, mind. I'm fine taking a break because I, I shotgunned a lot of these movies <laughs> and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm down and out right now. Devon. And it's rough. <laughs> no, it I'm, is. I'm, I'm up against the ropes here. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a hard series to definitely. Um, it, it, Again, like because it's just so all over the place. Like it really, <laughs> really is. It really is. And yeah. that's why I think it'll be super fun to get into. And then um, and you're in, you know, you're not as into them. So then you'll get to choose a franchise that I'm not as into and you'll get yeah. to torture me. Devon's got that one-two punch of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then found footage horror movies. My favorite. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You don't like the found footage either. Oh. Yeah. What uh, a feast we, we're going to have. It's going to be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but speaking of the future, um, at the end of this episode, we will tell you what the theme for next month will be, which I'm super excited for. But we have a wonderful guest waiting in the wings. He is one of the co-hosts of the People Under the Scares podcast and has his own YouTube channel, Bobby Likes It Spooky. Welcome to the show, Mr. Bobby Torres. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Love to have you. Yeah, super excited to have you. Um, You know, I definitely want to bring in another guest for uh, this month, you know, as we are celebrating Black History Month, Black Horror Cinema. And um, I got to listen to a little bit of um, the People Under the Scares podcast before we started recording. And um, it's just so refreshing to um, listen to a podcast hosted by two queer black men, which is obviously, you know, in the black community, something that is, um, you know, we don't get to see as often 
Um, so it's really great that you two um, have this podcast, which is a little bit newer. Um, so mm-hmm. um, how did you guys get going with it? Uh, well, thank you for listening. And you are so right about that. It's rare to see two black queer people talking hard. Um, but get back to your question. Um, my buddy, Michael Brown, actually started this podcast. Me and him been talking a while about horror and stuff. Uh, he's been on my YouTube show for some time now discussing American horror story and things like that. Um, but when he told me he was uh, starting a podcast, I was like, oh, cool. Like, I'm proud of you. Like, I, I, I like to see my friends go deeper into the realm of horror and all that fun stuff. And then he invited me on <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> because I'm not used to um, podcasting. Like, I, I'm always been, but I never actually like hosted a podcast show. Um, I'm always talking to a camera and mm-hmm. um, it's it's obviously very similar, but the only difference is, you know, you're talking to a camera and you have to worry about lights and blah, you know, all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but he invited me on and I said, all right, I'm going to give this a little try. I'm going to, you know, don't, you know, uh, introduce me as your co-host officially just yet. Just have me as a guest. I'm going <laughs> to fill it out. And I did that. I did that a few times and I said, you know what? Um, let's do it. Let's go for it. So that's yeah. how we became the people under the scares, <laughs> plus me. So you know, I should go. have done that with Devon when he asked me to be his right. co-host. I'd be like, all right, we'll do a little <laughs> test period here. We'll see how it goes. And if it goes well, then you you should be so lucky. Yeah, uh, no, I didn't I didn't <laughs> get to I didn't get to tease Garrett like that. Yeah. Like we didn't you 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 really built up the drama of it. I had Garrett exactly. you, you did get to do one episode, or no, we did two episodes technically before yeah, you it was were like one official. And then, you know, yeah. still waiting in the wings for a rainy day. But yeah, no, yeah. I just yeah. swept you off your feet immediately. I know. It was love at first sight. It was love at first sight. <laughs> I love it. You guys have amazing chemistry. Obviously, I listened to, you know, some episodes of you guys too. And it's just one thing I look for when I listen, when I listen to podcasts is that, you know, I want to feel like I'm in the same room with people. Mm-hmm. while they're talking horror and things like that and just like regular seamless conversation and that's what i get from you guys um oh, so you. no 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 of course of course um that's what i love mm-hmm. just because it's, it's lacking well some podcasts i listen to no shade but some of them are lacking that and it's just i want it to feel authentic you know what i mean because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what i'm looking for yeah uh, and that's what i try to give with content that i put out so yeah Yeah. i mean yeah definitely listen to you and mike definitely i was listening to the other horror hunks episode and you know i felt like i i felt like we were just gossiping in the barbershop like it was nice you know and and that's why and that's why i brought garrett on because i wanted you know to bring a more you know cool casual vibe to the show so i appreciate it cool casual that's that's what it says on my on my my twinder bio yeah cool and casual No, but it's 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 I always it. you're, you're going to have that when you have people who are passionate and love this genre. And I, you know, the listener can't can't see, but you've got uh, horror memorabilia galore in your background. It's like a museum back there. But yeah, when you get <laughs> you get passionate people all together talking about uh, stuff that they love, that that kind of I I hope at least that that sort of passion and and uh, energy comes through. So that's that's good to hear. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and the stuff back here, I mean, obviously I have a YouTube channel, so I just want to have something for show while yeah, talking. No, I <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's all that. These are mostly gifts and things I just find cool, whatever. But um, people will be like, oh my gosh, 
like how do you sleep at night like all that i'm just like <laughs> like that doesn't scare me i'm a horror fan though like, right one of yeah. my i i was hosting i i was hosting D last night and uh, yes. one of my one of my friends hates the the ventriloquist doll that I have like sitting up on a on a shelf in, <laughs> in the living room, and yeah. she's just like, I can like Devon, how can you do this? I was like, I was like, you really think that bothers you? Like, you should see some of my other horror friends. Like, they got way more elaborate <laughs> collections than me. Like, yeah. I just had a couple spooky items, but yeah, you yeah. you definitely have it covered. I love that Reagan doll in the backwards. I'm looking at the uh, the Friday the Thirteenth poster. I think that's the Shout Factory, like the kind of art that they had for that uh, yeah. complete collection, which is something that I I absolutely covet because I I have the the collection that they they uh, not the Shout Factory, but they have before that collection. So it doesn't have all of the Friday movies. I think it's uh, missing a couple of there. Uh, but that's that's a really awesome poster. Yeah, I I had a similar kind of background back when I was um, home, and then I moved here to California. And I'm like, I physically cannot move all of this crap. So a lot of that stuff is in storage <laughs> still in bins. But maybe one day I'll I'll be able to uh, ha- rejuvenate my museum background. But now it's a little bare. It's a little bare. <laughs> it, it'll it'll return to its glory. But <laughs> but enough of the things that we cannot see or the that the people cannot see. <laughs> you know, forgetting that this is audio. <laughs> Um, uh, hopefully you guys watched uh, the movie for this week's episode. So let's go ahead and get into it. <laughs> Bones, directed by Ernest Dickerson, released October 26, 2001. Uh, Dickerson is known for some of his films such as Juice, Demon Knight, and has now made a very extensive career in TV as well. Um, this, um, movie stars, uh, rapper Snoop Dogg, um, America's favorite stoner, um, and exploitation legend Pam Greer, and Ernest Dickerson wanted to do just that, combine exploitation um, with horror, we have some gothic romance elements, and it is a ghost story, it's a pretty classic ghost story told through the lens of exploitation, um, and there's even kind of two different styles that they do between the present day and the previous um, set in 1979, where we learn about um, Jimmy Bones. And the different styles were done by, I have to say the cinematographer's name because it's amazing, Flavio Labiano. Man, I think that might be one of the best names of any credit for any movie so far. I love that. I agree. It's great. It's great. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, this uh, movie um, only got 25% on Rotten Tomatoes, was um, generally low to mixed reviews, 2.9 on letterbox average, a little bit better, um, as it has kind of grown into a cult classic over the years as people praise the practical effects and performance by Snoop Dogg, who, you know, brings his very snoopness all over this movie. Uh, snoopness all over this movie. Gross. Dripping in snoopness. <laughs> Dripping in his snoopness. <laughs> um, but yeah, and um, this movie, um, unfortunately, only made $8.4 million against a $16 million budget. Had some production woes. It was supposed to have more romance in it, but New Line Cinema was coming off a couple flops, so they got worried and they recut the film. Um, which sucks for Dickerson. He's and he's very much, you know, made it known that you know it was not the best experience for him. Mm-hmm. But all in all, you know, with um, even though it wasn't received very well, um, it you know um, 
and with the the production company, people had a good time making this film, it seems. Ernest Dickerson still has very fond memories of making it as well. And uh, it just seemed like an all-around good time. Bobby, um, what made you want to talk about Bones today? Being outside that is Black History Month, <laughs> I don't really see or hear people talk about this movie too much. Uh, it may be mentioned, but then they move on to, uh, you know, other movies like uh, Tales from the Hood or um, uh, the Eddie Murphy one, Vampire in Brooklyn. But mm-hmm. this movie tends to get forgotten a lot, and I just don't understand why. And I can name a whole bunch of other Black movie, Black horror films that get forgotten. But um, this one... I remember watching on some channel as a kid and just being kind of scared in some parts of the movie. Um, but now as an adult, I'm just like, why the hell was I fucking scared of this damn movie? It's not scary <laughs> at all. Um, but it's a it's a fun time. And just also seeing so many familiar faces in this too. Like I, when I was rewatching this, so like, I recognized that person. I re- recognized that person. I see that person. I was just watching your movie the other day. So it was just like... Mm-hmm. It, it was just um i just started uh getting all the, these nostalgic feelings they watch this movie currently but um yeah bones is a fun time i love it it's different than some other horror films and um i love ernest dickerson he's great um i'm a fight i said fight i'm a fan of night of the demons no not night of the demons what i'm talking about demon knight tells from the crypt demon knight forgive me um <laughs> <laughs> how can i mess it up demon knight and I just love his work in that. So going to Bones, I'm just like, okay, um, this is it. So I wanted to talk about it with you guys. Yeah, it's uh, it's super nice. You know, Ernest Dickerson is, again, he's carved out a pretty nice career, and it's really nice to see a Black director just have a nice, consistent career throughout the years. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got some great films under his belt, a lot of TV stuff. Uh, Garrett, before we challenge Bobby with our 60-second synopsis, um uh how had you seen the film before we got into it no this was one of those movies that i've i think i've talked about this idea before but um walking around as a kid around my local video store family video shout out midwestern local video store chain <laughs> family video i remember being a kid walking around the video store and this was one of those covers that stood yeah. out to me uh and just having never seen the film before but just the that image it's not like a terribly <laughs> like striking picture it's just kind of a uh, snoop dog with glowing eyes and a red face but i don't know why as a kid it just kind of uh stuck out to me so i hadn't seen the film really at all and i didn't really know much about it also didn't know that it had the same director as juice which i think is quite a turn it's very interesting mm-hmm. uh, yes. that he, he went from that movie to this one it's like okay wow <laughs> how'd you yeah. how'd you get from a to b there but um i uh yeah i hadn't really seen this before but i've got to say i actually had a lot of fun with this one um I think it's got a bit of a slow start for myself, um, but I think it finds its footing uh, towards kind of the latter third of the movie. And I think that uh, energy that it really picks up at the end is something that I found is kind of this great final flavor that you get. You know, Mm -hmm. If if the movie starts off great and ends kind of poorly, it kind of has that sour taste in your mouth. But the fact that it starts off slowly and just kind of goes up from there. I thought was a lot of fun. Um, Snoop Dogg was a surprising uh, kind of energy and vibe that he brought to this movie. I wasn't really quite sure. I've seen him in things before, 
uh, in, in films before, but I hadn't really seen him in a horror movie like this before, aside from like scary movie. Um, but mm-hmm. to see the kind of energy that he brings to this and also that surprising uh, black exploitation kind of flavor. We just talked about Abby um, a couple of weeks ago. So we've, we, that's kind of um, hot in the brain here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I thought that this was a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's definitely silly and camp, which is something that I really enjoyed about it. Uh, and I'm excited to, to dive into the nooks and crannies of this one. Cause this one is uh, it's a wild ride. <laughs> yes yeah i i had not seen this um i'd seen like bits and pieces of it whenever i was younger um at some point but i never actually watched it um and i think i just never came back to it because i was like i don't know just in my brain you know was just like ah you know i was like you know the this that snoop dog horror movie i was like because i remember like when it came out i was very young and i remember them kind of advertising like some of like the sillier elements to it. Like it, it wasn't, you know, but then like you said, you see the cover and the poster and that like looks serious. So it's like, is this serious? Is this silly? And I think the movie kind of struggles with that in certain parts too, which we'll get to. But um, overall I do, I did enjoy it. Um, I really um, liked the, the tone of it. Like it definitely hit like a lot of the similar beats of the black exploitation films um, as a, uh, specifically in the characterization of Jimmy Bones and um, all of his associates and like the more of the 1979 cast, but then also it's interesting seeing what these black exploitation elements look like in a contemporary film as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Snoop, um, it definitely brings um, all the charisma um, they use, you know, they play him to his strengths, obviously, but I think that works for the character that he was portraying. And, um, and the the elements of genuine horror, like some of the creepier scenes, are really, really good. And I personally wish there was a little bit more of that. Um, or if you're going to do some of the camp, lean more into that. But um, still with those gripes, like there's still so much more to appreciate from like whether it be the practical effects or um, or just the performances, the chemistry from the cast in general. Um, but yeah, so we'll dig into some more of those feelings here in a second. But um, Bobby, are you are you ready for the task of our sixty second synopsis? Um, it may not be sixty seconds, but okay. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do our best. I'm a, I got you. I, I'll get you on the timer. You got sixty seconds for this. Is for if you guys have not watched Bones in a minute, or if you are listening to this and not watching the film, which you should go watch the film. We're gonna spoil everything. But uh, we're going to give you a quick little refresher. So, Bobby, you ready? Sure. Three, two, one. Hit it. Okay. Um, So this movie is about uh, Snoop Dogg getting revenge on people that did him wrong in this old, um, I don't even know if you want to call it a mansion, but this old decrepit house or whatever. I don't even know what you want to call that. Um, But then this happens in the past. Go forward to early 2000s 90s whatever and these group of kids is trying to go into this house uh have some type of event they mistakenly bring back mr bones from the dead um in a weird interesting way um (laughs) and um all things start to go loose and you know snoop doll starts to wreck havoc in certain ways as well you got the amazing pan greer in here she's killing it and um yeah and you get a whole bunch of ghosts demon things <laughs> we never do that um and a whole is. bunch of wit and just craziness from these characters and Five, it's just uh four, filled with awesome three, 2000s 
characters. That's it. Bye. Boom. Hooray. <laughs> yes. Hooray. I tried my best. I, I'm horrible it. describing things. So um, <laughs> I, I mean, usually have a script. I think but. you, I mean, do you at least, you hit all the things that are in this movie. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we got the revenge. Um, we mm-hmm. do have, um, you know, as far as like some of the subgenre stuff, you know, we got the revenge. We got the haunted house um, mm-hmm. stories and themes to it. We got the modern ghost story stuff um, going on. And uh, yeah, I'd say you, you you hit the nail on the head. Because the third act does like, because it, it starts off kind of slow. And then, yeah, but like once the third act does like, unveil itself it really goes to town just as like once the once the literally once the party starts and yeah. their their club party which who turns a mansion to a club anyways <laughs> right <laughs> once the party starts things really do just like go non-stop from there yeah 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 isn't it it's, it's, it's insane like again watching this as a, a kid I, I had a lot of fun i mean i still did have a lot of fun watching this now but just how ridiculous <laughs> just they're going to this mansion just to do this party and just i don't know what goes i mean i guess they, they're are they teenagers it, it, early 20s i mean like, I, I don't even know how old these kids i would are. say they they are not teenagers they have to be adults but i mean yeah but they do yeah. still live at home but at right. the same time like would a going through a broker would a broker allow a teenager to buy property right yeah there's there uh there's a lot of litigation um <laughs> questions at hand here and um and again Definitely. like they just want to make a club in a random neighborhood and then they don't even actually fix it up they just like put a sign right. on it and like clean a few things and then yeah they, party they, take, as the, is. The, they take the frat house approach to where it's like yeah. still like the crappiest place you can imagine yes. but they're like we'll put up some rgb lights and <laughs> it'll be great they'll be fine Literally. yeah that was something that i was watching this movie and we had talked about uh in some of the some of the scream movies that those movies kind of poke at that trope to where it's like no, the, the, this is for white people to do. Like, they're going to mess with the, the haunted house murder shit. Everybody else is like, no, no thanks, man. We're out of here. But this movie, like, there were so many moments where I was, like, watching this. Like, guys, the floor is, like, covered in blood. There's nail marks on, like, the, oh, the there's a whole there's this dog, dog with floor. glowing eyes. Like, there's all of this stuff going on. And they're just like, yeah, just a fixer-upper. It just needs a little bit of love. I'm like, guys. Get the hell out of there! What are you gonna do? This party can't be that good. Right. I mean, those are my notes. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they ignore a whole ass piece of a jaw, jaw. on the on the <laughs> yeah. ground. Oh, it's just a dog or a cat or something. Oh, well, that's <laughs> yeah. a big dog. What? That looks nothing like some type of animal jaw. What is wrong with you people? But okay, let's and have it, this party. And I don't know if maybe I don't know if maybe they can like get away with this like how you were saying Garrett like usually this is um, behavior meant for white people in horror movies <laughs> yeah, and is. maybe and, and maybe <laughs> we're doing some stupid shit out here <laughs> yeah and and maybe part of the reason they were like kind of get away with it and this is like you know one of the themes you know one of the main themes of this movie is like you know um, not being not forgetting where you came from, you know, respecting where you came from. Um, yeah. and we learned that, you know, the, the three siblings, they all live in like the nicer part of undisclosed city. They never say which city we're in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but they, they live in Rossmore, which is the more affluent, the, the wider part. And I don't know if maybe that's, you know, cause that is supposed to be a kind of commentary on their characters, you know, is, 
Um, they are a mixed family of, um, they have a black father who he grew up in the ghetto part where this house was located. And then, so with them, you know, he moves into the nicer neighborhood and like, you know, and there, there is also kind of this stigma in, you know, the, the black community of like, you know, still poking fun at black people that get to that live in the suburbs, you know, and like, as if that, um, it takes away from their blackness in, in some way. So it's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into this, um, this opening no, um, I don't think of so. Of them making poor a, decisions, but I don't know. There's a character in this movie who at best is kind of racially ambiguous, um, but they kind of poke fun at him. That yeah, yeah, they not do. Not quite, mm-hmm. quote, quote, black enough, um, and that right. he's more of a, like a light-skinned person. I think he might be Latino as well, um, so that he seems to have like kind of uh, a myriad, this tapestry. I, he, he calls it like a, a stew or something, a melting yeah. pot. He, he called um, himself a melting pot. Um, yes, shout out yes. to Maurice. Um, yeah. I, um, but no, I don't think you're reading too much I into it at him. all. I think that that's like a, a legitimate point in this movie and the legitimate idea and theme of the the past and not really being able to truly escape that, but more uh, understanding that that makes you who you are and some of the choices that you make is going to affect you later in life, whether you want it to or not. I was I was surprised in how much of it, it, it like even though Maurice is a very side character and like he's the comic relief and like kind of makes those comments like in playing that as a joke like for himself like kind of being like oh well if I take that power because like that's literally me like I'm I'm half black but I'm also a quarter Swedish I'm a quarter Indian like I'm also like I'm like second generation all these things so it's like I've been that one that like whenever I'm around other black people I like find myself like questioning you know so then I'm the one that's like yeah no I'm I'm all when he says uh he he's hitting on the hot girl and he's like he's like if you if you need some culture you're about to have all of them <laughs> and i was like i was like well what way, way to spin it bro um yeah. so yeah so it was actually interesting that like you know seeing that and being like oh like that's me in this horror movie um which i'm not exactly used to Sure. Yeah. And then yeah. he absolutely gets munched on by a dog, uh, a Snoop Doggy dog, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that scene, but I also felt bad for him because he was a likable character. Like I liked him a lot because mm-hmm. um, I, did, I did think he was funny, but it is um, you guys do, you know, make an interesting point about like how he feels and stuff and like what he actually is, because I guess it also depends on where you grew up because like, for instance, where I grew up, um, I grew up with a lot of, a very diverse community, I should say, where you had black people, white people, Asians and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also had friends that were, that are Puerto Rican and sorry guys. <laughs> oh my God. It's all good. We need to put um, that sign out there. <laughs> yeah. I need to, that's the next On step. air. Come on. <laughs> Neon. Um, but I do have friends that are, you know, um, Latino and sometimes they say the n-word because of them growing up in mm-hmm. the hood sure. and I think that was maybe in some point like even today that's susceptible to some people in the black community because of where you grew up but now that we're in a world where we're a little bit more sensitive a lot of people's like uh-uh you mm-hmm. can't even say that now once upon a time y'all they it was okay for them to say that yeah um so now it just feels like like Maurice just reminded me of some people I knew and I feel like he would be the person to say it 
um, because he the you know who he's around. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like they would check him, like they did in this movie. Like, child, you're not fucking black. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, I, don't I, I don't know if the, yeah, like I wasn't sure if the character because they make a point to say that it is kind of a lot of different things. So I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if he is, you know, he's like uh, Afro Latin American or exactly you know, black Hispanic. I'm not really entirely sure. Not that it's. Nessus, I don't I think it's not even really as important, but the idea and the point that it's across is that because it is ambiguous, that that makes him a little bit, quote unquote, kind of like lesser than or not as black as Pam Greer even kind of, you know, mentions that there's a line mm-hmm. of um, mm-hmm. the, I don't know the character's name, but she's like she uh, they talk about where they're from. And he's like, she says, you look a little dark to be from there. So this idea that your your skin tone and the the, the pigment of that mm-hmm. kind of can dictate, you know, where you're from and the, the status mm-hmm. that can be attributed to that. Oh, yeah. The the but, the. It's it's interesting. They make a lot of notes of of noting specifically like skin tones and pigments, which is, you know, um, something that a lot of people don't think about. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not from the black community or like a Latin brown community, because I, I wrote in my notes. It's funny, like back in Missouri, everyone just always assumed they'd be like, you're half black, half white, aren't you? And I'm like, uh no, it's not that simple always. Like, I know sure. that's what you think, but like this is Missouri people talking. And then in the time since I've been out here in LA, nobody assumes I'm black. Everybody assumes I'm like something else. Everybody's like, Oh, are you Armenian? Are you this? Are you Brazilian? Are you, and everybody, because you know, out here people are used to more of a wider range of ethnicities. So it's like interesting. And they, and they like kind of note different things um, in that realm throughout the movie. Like um, when, when I, um, Loopy Lou, the the dirtiest of dirty cops, um, goes over yeah. to uh, um, the the house of the of the siblings to go talk to uh, Jeremiah. He mentions it like, "Oh, you got you got yourself a colorful family here because he has a white wife and then he has one white daughter and then the two black sons." And he like makes a you know makes a point of it. So it's like, yeah, multiple times this movie they're making comments about um, you know skin tone and pigment and what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about you said the dirtiest of the dirty that Lupovich, <laughs> that character, there's a scene where he's like chonching on a, on a, Oh my like God. Popsicle the popsicle. Jesus. I was like, that's like one of the most yeah. graphic things in this movie. That is yes. downright disgusting. Yeah. The dude eating the, the maggots and the pizza or whatever. Mm. That's, that's one thing, but this guy just going to town on this popsicle stick was really gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that was disgusting. Like I love, um, you know, cinema sins has their, their thing about, you know, assholes that eat apples and like, you know, villains always eating something in general is kind of thing but yeah, yeah that yeah. popsicle was just disgusting yeah all over his face <laughs> and everything yeah gross gross man come on being a dirty cop one thing eating popsicles like that come and, on, disgusting. and and how does he think that's intimidating uh, eating he's trying to intimidate somebody and you're eating a popsicle of all right. things on the echelon of intimidating foods to eat apple might be up there a little bit but a popsicle yeah, like a come popsicle on. the least i always looked at a popsicle as a more sensual yeah type of thing, you know what i mean yeah. but yeah. okay maybe that's the joke in this film maybe just, yeah i feel like it's you know it's probably like summertime it's getting all over his hands he's like trying right. to be over here yeah. and he's like i'll tell you one thing hold on well well, <laughs> well he did well he did make a nasty remark about his daughter so i think it was the him just being a like creepy sleazy mcgee Gross. yeah um, but yeah and and it's yeah. interesting like his character is like definitely that typical 
Um, this is like a trope in black exploitation films where you have, you know, the, the dirty cop and like they really do exaggerate that, you know, it's like um, he's working with, um, you know, he's doing his cop thing, but he's also working with the underground. He's taking money um, and he's just generally gross, but they dial it up like definitely to an exaggerated level, which is something they do in the black exploitation films because like obviously like black people want to make fun of dirty white cops. So they would like make them just sure. like extra degenerate, you know. Yeah, of all the things that are, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, elevated in this movie, like that is, you know, <laughs> not the least of which this movie has a lot of pretty, uh, pretty out there ideas and, and, and you know, pretty, <laughs> pretty ridiculous campy kind of moments, which is, you know, as you said, is what you would expect from black exploitation, but particularly mm-hmm. in the third act of this movie, it kind of just goes in this wild direction, which Devon, you had talked about, but yeah, that was kind of one of my, when, as the movie was going on, I was kind of, especially as it started to lean more into that kind of campy side of it, I was like, oh man, where has this been? You know, mm-hmm. towards the end of this movie, the the ghost of Snoop Dogg is carrying around two decapitated heads and they're like <laughs> lamenting. They're like, oh my God, you really had to do this to me? Like, it's, it's so silly. And I was like, yeah. where the hell was this, this entire movie? So I was kind of really wanting this movie to maintain that silly energy throughout the entire thing. Maybe it was because the studio kind of got cold feet, uh, cold feet. Maybe they cut it up to be a bit more traditionally scary i'm not sure uh but yeah this uh, i wish the film kind of would have firmly stood its ground at being silly from kind of uh, mm-hmm. from the jump um because i i was a little unsure i wasn't really sure what direction um it was going to going to go but i'm glad it went towards the more silly i'm with you though because now that mm. see i didn't think about it that way but you're so right now that i am thinking about it like the ending is more campier opposed to the rest of the film like the rest of the film is kind of serious and creepy and dark but then when you get to the third act it, it, it like you said it becomes very goofy so mm-hmm. i do wish and it's, i'm okay with a nice blend of camp and horror comedy and horror and stuff oh, yeah. um, because they're one and the same and uh, but i feel like for this movie it should have either done that or like you said stuck with one or the other mm-hmm. because when it did get to the third act, I'm just like, okay, like I'm laughing, but it just, I felt like in a way I was watching a different movie kind of, which sure. is really weird. Sure. And I'm just like, all right. Um, I, like you said, Gary, I wish this was more in the beginning or throughout the rest of the film opposed to now just getting this because I felt like it would have been a lot more funnier and just more of a good time. Not saying it's not a good time, but I feel like it would probably, I just feel like the comedy would have worked well with this movie if they would have stuck to that. It, that's sure. interesting. Yeah, what about okay. you, Devon? Do you think I, you, uh, you had mentioned earlier on that you 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 kind of uh, wanted that that mix? You know, I was I'm I actually dug this more serious stuff a little bit more. You know, I did find myself kind of watching a movie and like once they are starting to have these conversations, you know, they're having conversations about gentrification. They're having conversations about uh, what cracked did to the black community, which is like a big part of you know the movie. Is you know Jimmy gets killed because. He is a he's a, a a gangster gentleman. Like he he cares about the neighborhood. Like he's you know helping the neighborhood flourish. And like yeah, he runs like gambling stuff with like lottery tickets. And like he's making his money that way. And like yeah, he's still a a, a criminal. But at the same time, like he's like no, I'm not gonna. I don't want to stoop to the level of introducing crack to my community to make more money. You know, so it's like he snoop to the level, Devon. Ah, I missed it. (laughs) I did miss it. Um, (laughs) And 
And, you know, so it's like I, I liked that they were, you know, exploring these things. And then so like once it does, the comedy start ramping up more. It like kind of jars me a little bit more. I was like, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm in it for this, you know, this revenge story of a, you know, complicated, um, you know, person of this complicated villain. And then, yeah. And then like once we do and like, you know, I like just the 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 idea of him, you know, being this haunting presence like him as a ghost is like, you know, and just like the the legend is scarier than like when we do get him just walking around like, yeah, w- walking around with two heads and, you know, and saying one liners and stuff. It's like yeah. I, I kind of wish they just were stuck with it being um, a little more serious because I feel like combining black exploitation films with ghost stories works super well because like I feel like in general as we've kind of been talking about black horror movies throughout all month I feel like ghost stories are you know help or are the best way to like kind of tell some of these black stories because we are so much linked to you know things from the past you know whether it be you know all the way in the past you know the things that were done to us or in the context like this of like you know like you know how the black community was before crack and then after crack you know it's like it that's a, a ghost of what that community was so it's like i i like that stuff and i kind of wish they would have um, and gotten to do more of that and then like kind of go more into the gothic romance, like kind of flesh um, Jimmy Bones as human character out even a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. And like some of the spookier scenes are more my favorite scenes, like the the psychic reading scene where like shit's getting super trippy and like we're getting all this subliminal images. And um, some of those scenes are like more my favorite than the goofier stuff in the end. There was uh, one shot in this movie that I was like, if that's not the most Devon Taylor shot I've ever seen, I wonder if you can Which guess one? what it is. Because it's, prob- it's probably in my what notes. Is it, is well, it, uh, is it the one where he's sitting, listen to the headphones and the hands coming in? No, it's when uh, Cynthia is lying on her bed. Oh, in the blood. Yeah, that's my other one. Over. I was like, that's literally like. <laughs> that's that was like, a dope shot. I was like, that's Devon Taylor down to a oh, tease. Yeah. I, was, I was watching that and I was like, that he's going to like that one. But yeah, I think maybe <laughs> the reason I was more you know, interested in, in uh, kind of the comedy aspect of this is because I do think that you can convey a lot of those themes with kind of a, a comedic edge to them. Uh, and it doesn't, I don't think you have to sacrifice those ideas and that you know, the great points that you made Devon about crack and what it did to the black communities. I think you can still really make those points, but I think a lot of it also boils down to like, yeah, but who's like the vehicle who's transporting a lot of these ideas. It's Snoop Dogg, <laughs> like the famous rapper Snoop Dogg, who's now, you know, mm-hmm. hosting game shows with Martha Stewart. Like it's not, he doesn't really strike me as this intimidating, like we had talked about with Candyman. It's just like, no, he's got this classic Shakespearean background. Snoop is, it's Snoop, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so when he like pops up in this movie, I didn't really find him intimidating. And like our introduction to him is like, He's like this fly as shit guy who's sitting in the back of a caddy, like with this pinstripe soup on a suit on, like twirling a butterfly knife. Like to me, it doesn't really strike a lot of fear. I was just kind of like, damn, he looks cold. Like, (laughs) you know, this is like, it's it's really cool to see, to see the Snoop Dogg and kind of this uh, sillier light to me and not something that I necessarily saw as like, you know, exactly terrifying here. The boogeyman is Snoop Dogg. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, as we get into like some more of, um, get into some more character stuff, Bobby, how do you feel about the, the Snoop of it all? I mean, Snoop is all over this movie (laughs) from the soundtrack to him on screen to the vibe. 
again, I, I, I love it. Again, as a kid, I was scared of him, but I was wondering why now as an adult. But it's funny because I was on Twitter like yesterday and I read something about how his kid watched this movie and thought his dad, Snoop Dogg, was really like Jimmy Bones. So he said he was terrified of his dad for like ever. Um, and I was just like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I I, I get it. If the, if I was the son of Snoop Dogg and watched him in a movie like this, I probably would be terrified too, especially at in the end, you know? Yeah. But even besides that, before he transformed, like when he finally comes back from the dead and he grew a few, a few uh, you know, limps of hair. <laughs> he got All a right. nice knee perm and everything. Laid. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Bones' hair is nothing but laid in this movie. It is, <laughs> yes, it was, child, it was laid. Um, but even that, when he came back with his, you know, his little head and his, you know, his coat and stuff, and just, he just had a swag to him, it was still something intimidating about his character when he came back like that, especially when he, he was getting everybody out of here. The scene that I love so much is when he was going after the one dude with the rollers on his head. I forgot his name. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and he like broke the glass, <laughs> and then like the glass was like levitating and floating, and then it's just I wish we seen more of that because I, <laughs> I like shit like that. That's shit like that to me is really dope. So I was like, oh, I forgot about that scene. That's pretty cool. But then that's when he's decapitated and he's walking around with his head, <laughs> and then he's talking all that shit. Um, but Snoop was great in this movie i think it was made for him it was amazing and i honestly i would love to see <laughs> a part two only if ernest dickerson was coming back <laughs> i mean yeah and, we do we do get an open-ended we could get enough yeah. and look and pretty much like everybody in this movie is pretty much still alive and doing things you know like and again going back to the cast like there's so many people in this movie that are great. Um, Bianca Lawson, who plays Cynthia, who was Pam Greer's daughter in this movie, um, she's been in a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you look at her now, she looks exactly the same. And she must be in her like maybe early 40s, late 30s, and she looks like a teenager. She's still booking roles as te as a teenager. Black which is don't awesome. crack. We know <laughs> this. <laughs> we know this. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's also now related to uh Beyonce. So it's wow. Yeah, because her daddy married to the mama. Um, yeah. but I, and the cast again, like um the one dude who played uh Patrick, I know he was um the main guy and girlfriend, you mm -hmm. know, and they all still look good. I look them up now and I'm just like, wow, the, this cast looks great. So oh I yeah, would, I mean would that, love to see them reprise their roles in some form or fashion. Yeah, I mean I, I would definitely um be intrigued to see a return i mean yeah this cast in general i mean we got clifton powell in there who is a yes. legend yep. you know i mean he brings the the gravitas to the film of uh mm -hmm. playing this dad and i love the way that he plays um you know the dad character of like you know he's you know supposed he's saying that he worked for everything he got and he like got by pulling his bootstraps and all this stuff and like to uh instill that his kids when you know in actuality he was the biggest bitch and, um, you know, let his homie die and played yeah. into it all and everything, yeah, um, you know. And so, again, it's like, um, it, you know, what they do with his character is also interesting of, you know, the, uh, it, it's it's OK to, you know, make a name for yourself and get the things you want and stuff. But like not at the mercy of, you know, uh, turning on your own and like, you know, yeah. and, you know, it's the it's the principles of it all. Um, yeah. so yeah, super interesting what they do with him. loyalty, especially at the end. He's like, You would have done the same if Snoop Dogg was well. Jimmy was like, 
No, nah. I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. just threw his ass in the pit or whatever the hell that was. I, I will say in the echelon of, of great horror villains, I think uh, Jimmy Bones is up there in regards to one-liners. He's got some really great ones in this movie. Uh, yes. While he's in the form of a dog, he says, gangsters of love don't eat fried chicken. I died. No, me too. Really terrific. <laughs> oh, he has some, he has some uh, really good ones. Um, my, my favorite one-liner um was when they were um somebody was like telling him like his his view, vision for the future and he goes he goes ah oh, you totally thinking widescreen some sci-fi forward thinking shit and i was like yeah snoop i, I feel yeah. that <laughs> yeah everybody else has got to step it up you know uh freddie saw this and he's like oh shit man like yeah. <laughs> When he was the dog, though, that was my favorite line, too, because I wasn't expecting that, and I forgot about that. So if you're watching this, I, was, I literally laughed out loud like you, Gary. I was just yeah. like, what? Yeah. Well, it's also the fact that his the dog's face literally morphs into Morphed. dog, which I just want to sit on that kind of, I want to see that moment, be on the fly in the wall to where they were writing the script for this movie. They're and like, what uh, should um, the form of Snoop Dogg's ghost be? And they were just like, oh, it makes sense. He's got to be a dog, right? I mean, if, like, yeah. if he, if, <laughs> If Snoop was not a demon dog for half the movie in a movie called Bones, yeah. dogs eat bones. Oh my gosh, it's everywhere. No, it. <laughs> like she's yeah. Louise, it's everywhere. All um, right, so this is where I'm kind of confused though. So okay. he's this dog, obviously in the beginning, middle of the movie, majority of the movie, right? Mm -hmm. So when he finally kills um, Maurice and I guess eating his flesh, his body that's in the the basement. The start it starts to reform. So, how does he become this ghost dog though? Like, why is he this ghost dog? And I mean, I know it makes sense because Snoop Dogg, right? But it's just why does he have to be a dog and eat flesh to regenerate his? Well, 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 well this was movie was released in two thousand and one, and two thousand and <laughs> and I'll say two thousand and the early two thousands ghost stories are famous for being just like unnecessarily convoluted because there's something about the blood on her dress that he was buried in, in the house. Yeah. And he, and then, yeah, like, and then I, so I guess his soul was just trapped in this demon dog until the dog started eating raw meat. And then, yeah. Um, so kind maybe, of a, kind of yeah, a hellraiser flare, you know, flare there yes. for good measure. And I, I will say, I thought good. about that. If we're gonna try our best to to make those mental leaps here, but you know, Pearl is a character who does kind of dabble in some sort of mm -hmm. mythical kind of sort of magic, you know, black magic kind of stuff. So maybe, perhaps she, you know, right. if she saw the lines on his hand and kind of foretold mm -hmm. that yeah, 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 yeah. happen. So maybe she, you know, put some sort she, of spell. She to, subconsciously, yeah, did like a spell to like preserve his soul. Yeah, the, but you're you're right, Bobby. I think it's more accurately because it's a dog. Because it's a, <laughs> yeah, because it's you a know, like yeah. it's it's Snoop Dogg. I don't I don't I think that's they more wanted the title and you know Jimmy Bones is a great name. I yeah. I think it's but now I like your idea. I like that Pearl um put like a spell on him without unknowingly and yeah. you know did that to him. Now when we get a sequel, maybe they can dig into that Who because knows? it's like yeah. because like yeah, she didn't want to you know do the stab. Um, mm -hmm. and like, he like kind of did it upon. So like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe something happened there, yeah, but, um, and then, you yeah. know, Pam Greer could come back, kind of be the bride of Frankenstein to Jimmy yes. Bones. I'd be really into that. Oh, I'm here for it. Ooh, a 
Bride of Frankenstein style sequel? That would be dope. I'm that into would be it. epic. I'm into that. Um, and, and speak on that. Um, that scene though of like, you know, how he's resurrected and the bioreforming. Super mm-hmm. dope. There's a lot of really great practical effects throughout the film. Um, they wanted to do as much practically as possible, whether it be that scene or the the when the the walls turn into like the goopy black people. They're like yeah. all <laughs> nasty. The, I'll call them the tar people. The, the tar souls. This. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, <laughs> super fun um, the way that they did that. But um, it is the same. They they achieved the body reforming similarly to the way that they did it for Hellraiser. Um, they took a, when they took the mold of Snoop's body, they casted it in wax and they like did it in layers of the different stages of like the different reforming. And then yeah. they did it in wax and then they took a heat gun and then like melted it. And then they could like speed up and slow down the footage right. to like give it that, <clears throat> give that effect, which uh, again, cool. I really like the more overt um, horror elements in it. I like, you know, the, the, the evil dead vision going through the house, you know, with like making the spooky noises and a really great sound design of like when it's like passing through the house and you hear like the steam off of pipes and the creaks in the floor and like the blood and everything. I really like a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I will say something that uh, stood out to me is uh, being like a little lesser because there is some good special effects stuff like you had said, Devon. But what is going on with like the blood in this movie? No. It looks like straight up ketchup. I was like, hot sauce. I got hot sauce. Yeah. Yes, it is is Popeye's hot sauces. (laughs) You know, guys, it's it's 2001. I thought we kind of got the formula, the recipe for fake blood down. I was like, what what is this? I, I appreciate, I'm glad you brought it up. I appreciate different styles of blood for the different occasions because Mm -hmm. this is like Jalo style blood um, which this movie you could say has elements of Jalo you know especially with Pam Greer's character having supernatural powers kind of connection stuff I like the blood in this because I think it makes sense because I really like that really red opaque blood like it's like not see through Um, Sweeney Todd uses this um, same style of blood Gotcha. Because it stands out in that movie, it's all desaturated. Very monochrome, yeah. So I feel like it makes sense for a movie with a lot of black folk in it to make the blood stick out against darker skin. They go sure. with this brighter opaque blood rather than like the the traditional like darker um, kind of textured blood. That's my yeah. theory. Yeah, I think it stood out to me the most when he, uh, Jimmy Bones was like cutting the pool table, which I thought was like a really. I, I mean, but that's cool. Yeah, it's very yeah. cool. I was like, that's really weird and odd, but like, it's I I kind of liked it. But yeah, I think it stood out to me most because you have that like bright green felt and then the bright red. I was just like, wow, this is like really vibrant blood. But yeah, I think you're right, Devon. There is kind of that. Uh, you know, some of the characters are melting pots of this movie uh, in this movie, and I think also its influences are too because you do have exploitation, and then also Hellraiser and then this kind of haunted mm-hmm. house story and then maybe some Giallo stuff if it's thrown in there for good measure. Yeah, I, I think you're kind of spot on with that. Yeah. I also love the colors in this movie too. Um, I feel like they play with different hues and stuff. So a lot of times when you're outside, is this supposed to take place in the winter time? Because obviously when you're mm-hmm. like, I'm not a filmmaker, but I do know like if you're not filming something, obviously, you know, in the winter time, you're filming like in the spring or summer and you're editing, you probably, you put like a cooler tone over the mm-hmm. video to make, to give it that feel. Mm, sure. And that's what it looked like a lot of the time. Yeah. But then also, Especially at the end of this film, you get a lot of um, interesting 
greens and like purples and stuff that's out of coming out of nowhere. And I was talking about this on my podcast recently uh, with Mike about Death by Temptation. I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, and also with Vamp that came out in the 80s, you get mm-hmm. these magentas and colors that come out of nowhere. It looks beautiful on film. They're just like, why is it there? It's a stylistic choice, I'm sure. Yeah. But I love that they use this in mostly black films now that I know this because I don't know, mm-hmm. it just stands out more and it, yeah. looks, it just looks great on film. <laughs> it, I, I mean, it makes yeah. sense because like in, in like, you know, Jalo films, um, you know, where it's starring white people, they, you know, traditionally use like red and blue because it bounces off their skin easier. So yeah. So it makes sense that like green and oranges are used more for black folk. Um, and you can even see that in, um, um, what's, uh, the, the Nas and DMX movie. Um, that's what the, the party scene, um, felt like in this, it felt like the opening to, Mm, I can't think of it right now, but I haven't seen. It. I'll look it up. But, I know what you're talking about, but I forgot. But and yeah, I, and, I, and I see the poster in my head. <laughs> it, is, it is Belly. Belly. I not, Belly. Belly. I have not seen it, but yes. Yeah, directed Belly. by Hype Williams. Um, yeah, I um, yeah, the little I like. I guess it's Hell Underworld kind of thing that they go down is literally like this bright magenta pink, mm-hmm. and I I do think you're right. It is very obviously like a stylistic choice, uh, and to, as opposed to having these kind of monochromatic colors, the a lot of the flashback sequences back in the '70s have this sepia yeah. tone to them. So yeah, I like I dig the the colors of this movie, and it is something about the 2000s that. Um, I, I I do miss is that even in this kind of silly kind of serious horror movie, it is very vibrant and colorful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that's kind of gone by the wayside in recent years. But I do think that there also is a quality to this movie uh, that it is very much so reminiscent of like early 2000s, late 90s music videos. Like it is shot oh, very similar. There's a lot of shots of Snoop Dogg in particular that I'm like, that oh, literally yes. looks like it's a, a music yes. video. And I'm sure it was used in marketing in music videos of his songs at the time. I would be shocked if it oh, wasn't. Oh, 100%. And like, and I think, you know, with the way they kind of do it is because they did make it to where like the 70s had like that, you know, that distinct warmer tones, the sepia tone, and then the present yeah. is like a little bit colder. And then I guess like in the third act, it's like they're kind of colliding, you know, with sure. Jimmy being resurrected. So it's like these these eras are kind of colliding within this house and they kind of go with this, um, you know, that Pam Greer's te- uh, Cynthia says that like her mom always talks about like two houses, two souls, two bodies, like all these all these twos and the duality of um, of them as well. Speaking yeah. of the 2000s, this movie does feature another um, 2000s scream queen, um, uh, yeah. uh, our girl uh, Tia, yes. who um, is portrayed by Catherine Isabel, who a is fave. in the uh, fave from the Ginger Snaps mm-hmm. trilogy. Um, she would go on to be an American Mary. Um, just a super great modern scream queen. Also, and it sucks. Uh, Freddy versus Jason. And too. Freddy versus Jason. Um, and it yes. sucks that she doesn't have more to do in this movie, but I did find um, there was a super cool deleted scene. And again, I liked the spookier stuff, like when the more haunted house stuff was going on. There's a scene where Tia is taking a bath, which how did they get running water into that house? But anyways, <laughs> she's taking a bath and uh, it's like really fun. She's like um, she's uh, smoking a cigarette and she's uh, doing shadow puppets on the wall. Um, yeah. she has like candles yeah. in it yeah and um she's like doing like shadow puppets 
and then um it like drop there's like three of them and then it like drops down when she like puts her hands down but then like one of them's still there and it like causes like a fire has this whole extended sequence of um you know spookiness um that I wish would have been included in it because again like I felt like we got that that um the psychic reading scene the like one scene where yeah, uh, Cynthia's getting groped under the sheets by her ghost dad. Uh, grosser that, when you realize that yeah, at the that end was, of the movie. It was a weird moment. Yeah. I was like, "What's the, what's going on here?" But Snoopy that's a but dog. that's a really fun scene though too. Cutting back and forth, like I loved all the subliminal stuff. You know, definitely kind of felt like little Blair Witch editing vibes. But then we had these you know colors, and again, felt very Clive Barkery. Um, I really dig that sequence, and like I was like, "Give me, I want that." Yeah, I don't know. Maybe yes. uh, in that moment in particular, maybe Jimmy is trying to scare his daughter away from Patrick, and they very made they made an interesting point to where they're like about to hook up, uh, and and she's like, no, not really in the mood right now, and so he kind of just bounces, and then she goes to bed, and then this is when all that stuff kind of starts happening, and she's first kind of like playfully saying no and then after that it gets a little bit more like mm-hmm. aggressively like saying no about it so i kind of read it as like maybe jimmy is trying to cause some distrust between the two of them well snoop didn't know kind of... snoop didn't know that she was his daughter Not at that point okay well then forget my she didn't know either <laughs> she didn't know either pam Greer didn't say it till the end well f- well maybe he has this like you know, omnipotence from the dead. You should be able to know whatever you want to know from beyond the grave. I feel like that's an easy trade-off. You're dead now. You should be able to figure out, you know, uh, <laughs> know all the universe's secrets. Come on. I want to know where Jimmy Hoff is at when I die, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he cared that was like his daughter because at the end when all that stuff was going down, she kept saying, daddy, dad, dad. And he was just ignoring her. But when Pam Greer came, he looked at her and paid her attention. So I don't even think he even cared. Maybe not. Maybe not. No. No. He's he's only got eyes for his boo pearl, which uh, would have been nice to see some more of that. Whatever. Um, more of their yeah. romance as well would have yeah. been nice. Well, it, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm always gonna uh, ask for more Pam Greer because she's yeah. terrific. And uh, I'm oh, 100. Yeah, I wish we uh, did get more of her in this movie and her relationship with Jimmy. Um, that was something that I, I felt was a little bit lacking. So I do think that that was uh, a mistake to cut some of that stuff because I kind of was curious about their relationship. And I think the casting of Pam Greer, it's like, what a weird studio note. It's like, yeah, let's have less Pam Greer. It's like, what the hell's the matter with you? Like, right, <laughs> right, but. I don't know, but in all in all, I really did enjoy this movie. It is fun, even with its flaws. I um, I, I I put this in um in my hot mess category of of movies where it's like this is a lot of fun. Um, even though there are things that I have problems with, I can make fun of. But there's a lot of highs too, and I feel like the highs, you know, high risk, high reward for hot messes. And yeah. um, it's not yeah. quite up there with some of my other favorite hot messes, but it's it's in there um, as far as um, on that on that level. And I and uh, I just really I really love ghost stories. And it's a it's a really good ghost story. We get a good haunted house. Um, we get plenty of haunted house shenanigans. All all the things that I look for in that subgenre. So um, I mean, I enjoy it. Last thing I'll say is um, the soundtrack is also really great. We got Snoop Dogg did a lot of original songs for this. I uh, had Latoya Williams, Outkast did a, a remix of "So Fresh and So Clean" for this movie. Um, yeah, so banger soundtrack. <laughs> I gotta also. get more into that. Uh, Bobby, what else? Uh, last thing you got for Bones? 
again, I love this movie so much. And I'm happy that you put this in a category, you know, as hot messes, but and you also still have fun because a lot of people think just because a movie's a mess or isn't that good, you can't have fun with it. I believe mm-hmm. you can still have fun with a messy movie. Um, and I mean, I put a tweet about that, you know, not too long ago. And there, I was just getting a text and I'm just like, y'all missing the point. Like, just have fun watching a fucking movie. You know what I mean? Like, regardless if it's trash or not, have try to have fun. But, you know, Bones is a, a great one. I will be re-watching this again um, just because it's um, became uh, it's becoming a new fave each time. Um and Snoop Dogg is just the shiz. This this whole cast was just great, and I loved it. And I felt like the ending did kind of leave it open for a sequel. Um, mm-hmm. and I would like to see where they would go with it if they do decide to do one. Because again, like with Demon Knight, I would love to see a sequel to that. Another Ernest Dickerson film, and I would love to see a, a sequel to this one. I feel like he leaves things open just in case there's a possibility of doing uh you know a sequel to his work. So um. I love Bones, and I want everybody to check this movie out if y'all haven't seen it. And what about you, Garrett? Any last words for Mr. Jimmy Bones? Yeah, I I agree with Bobby's point there about uh, being able to enjoy kind of things that aren't maybe masterpieces. And I think horror especially is a unique genre in that regard because horror has so many films and uh, so many films within it that are not technical masterpieces by any means and i wouldn't really say are super high brow but still have such a following um despite that fact and you know not everything has to be a five course you know five star meal you can have some fast food once in a while and you can you can enjoy the fun of that and and, and enjoy the the meet it on its terms uh and i think going into bones knowing um some of the the cast of this film as well as some of its influences i think you are able to have that fun um i wish it would have uh, had some bit more firmer feet of uh, footing in in either camp of being a little bit more serious or a little bit more fun because i think it kind of tries to do uh maybe too much of one at, at any given point i think a nice mixture of the two of them would have been a, a lot nicer um but the the ending and the last third act of this movie i just found myself really enjoying this film it gets really silly and really fun uh, but it also manages to have some of those deeper ideas like we had talked about which i think is always very important with horror uh, and the fact that this film is able to give us a uh, boogeyman version of Snoop Dogg, uh, in the, <laughs> who is in the literal form of a dog in this movie, I am indebted to it because of that. <laughs> yeah, so in, uh, in all in all, guys, all aboard the Hot Mess Express. <gasps> I love that. I do too. <laughs> it's never going away. Willem Dafoe is here to stay. I love it. Um, we have one last segment to close out the show, which is our movie math, which is where we um, put a couple of movies together that um, we see in Bones that maybe inspired it or that it would go on to inspire. Either way, um, just some extra recommendations that are in the same ballpark here. Uh, Garrett, what do you have this week? So the first film that I had here, and I kind of went back and forth, but I do think uh, as the movie goes on, I saw a lot of shades of this film in it, but um, House, the 1985 Steve Miner movie, um, which is about this writer who moves into this new house and things start to get really crazy. Uh, It also has this really wonderful sense of humor to it. So I saw some of those elements in this film, as well as 
kind of being haunted by your past and some past decisions that you had made. But then I also, for the black exploitation angle in this movie, I chose a film called JD's Revenge, which is released in 1976, uh, which is about this 1940s gangster who is murdered. And then he comes back like decades later to kind of uh, seek revenge. And he's kind of on this quest for revenge, uh, which is what we see a lot in this movie with Jimmy Bones. So I think you you have the haunted house humor element of, of something with like house and then the black exploitation kind of someone who used to be kind of big bad back in the day coming back to seek the revenge uh with uh, jd's revenge i think is what gives you the very unique flavor of bones yeah i, I haven't seen jd's revenge but i've read the synopsis and that movie seems wild so i was <laughs> like okay i think i do need i think to... it's on amazon prime if you want to check it out so i want to i want to check that one out um bobby what about you all right so this might be your reach but you know we love it wouldn't be me please do (laughs) all right so well the first one is probably not a reach um i got the haunting um the i guess the the 90s version with Liam nielsen and um lily taylor and catherine zeta jones um i got elements of that because when the house because obviously this is that's a ghost film um or a spirit film but there's moments when statues are coming alive and they kind of like move in the same way these tar people was in bones Mm-hmm. Um, and it reminded me of that, especially with the whole spirit situation happening in, in his mansion. Also, I got um, Candyman <laughs> just because Bones, because he even has a um, like a nursery vine yeah, yeah. for him, you yeah, know. Definitely. And I was just like, OK, this is kind of giving me Candyman tea without uh, saying his name five times in the mirror yeah. um, and the B element or whatever. But he gave me the same swag just a little bit as Tony Todd and Candyman with the code and just the way he walked and how, you know, I mean, not the way his voice sounds, because obviously <laughs> uh, Jimmy Bones wasn't uh, that, uh, you know, I guess he didn't have that much swagger as Tony Todd did in Candyman, but they had some of the same qualities, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. I have Candyman and The Hunting. Yeah, um, I, I definitely do. I wish they would have played more into um, the, the nursery rhyme stuff because, I mean, you know, Snoop Dogg's a rapper and the way that right. home, the way that Maurice like tells it, he like spits it like they're bars. He doesn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't do it jumping rope. He was like, Jimmy Bones, hard as stone, right. gold plated deuce, like the king of Siam, got a switch play loose. Like what? Yeah. Yeah, when I, when I was listening to it, I'm just like, all right, this is kind of like <laughs> off rhythm. Like, it's not, it's, I'm trying to get with it. I'm like, okay. And I'm just like, give up. Yeah. <laughs> give up. <laughs> yeah. Wish they would have um, did that. And also, they call his uh, blade a switchblade and it's totally a butterfly knife. It's a butterfly it's knife. Not yes. a switchblade. Yes. Um, yes. But for mine, um, I, I got to do a little extra. Sometimes we only do like this plus this. I made my equation a little more complicated. Just yeah, by got PIM DOS going. We got some PIM DOS going. <laughs> um, so uh, definitely. So I picked up uh, Poltergeist when, hey. you know, as far as, you know, classic haunted house shenanigans. I'm here for it. Um, but then also as far as, um, you know, ghosts from the past, you know, building on top of other people to get, you know, higher, literally in Poltergeist. Um, so, you know, you kind of have that whole angle and um, the first half of the movie um, feels very Poltergeisty. Um, and then I got um, I put Hellraiser in there, um, not only for some of the um, practical effects and uh, the stuff that they do there. 
Um, but you know, there is, you know, there's these elements of romance. There's, um, um, there's just the, the imagery is very similar to, um, the, the like visual aesthetic of some of the things in Hellraiser. Um, cause like this house feels very dingy. You can feel all the dust on it and like, and it just feels very gross. And like, um, this movie has a lot of texture. I like movies with texture. Um, and so Hellraiser would be another one of those. So you got those two added together in parentheses times Superfly. And I say that because this movie, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it has some, um, narrative connections, but it's more in just the, the, um, the way that it uses black exploitation to like kind of filter everything through in the movie, whether it be the ghost story or the the uh revenge elements it's all filtered through a black exploitation lens so um i put superfly as the the multiplication for like the aesthetic of it so and it, it's a power of foxy brown by the power of foxy brown um yeah so that's that's what i got um i'm gonna i love that you have hellraiser because that was mine too because i got at that moment when he was like regenerating i got that scene thought too when that happened yeah. with frank and hellraiser so i was gonna put that down but i said i don't know if that's gonna yeah i don't know if it's just like that but well, and, and she talks about you know the power of the blood you know yeah. and then that's what yeah. you know because in the end like that's how they are supposed to destroy him they need to destroy the dress that has the blood in soaked in it whatever um yeah. they're also like <laughs> killing and like eating less mm-hmm. so you can be you know so yep. you can be you know it's just yeah, yeah, I see Hellraiser's yeah. Aspire, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely there. Um, but yeah, thanks for bringing this movie. Um, I'm definitely glad to actually give it its due and watch it. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a gem. It's one of those early 2000s movies that people you know write off for one reason or another. Oh, that Snoop Dogg horror movie? Yeah, I'm sure that's good. Yeah, it is good. It's fun. Watch it. Yes. <laughs> um, Fucking yeah. watch it. Yeah, so thank you. Um, Bobby, um, where uh, can the people find your podcasts and uh, your YouTube channel? Um, you can find my podcast everywhere that podcast is being uh, played. Uh, people under the scares. Uh, great, great title. Time. Again. Great title, too. <laughs> Thanks to my buddy, Mike. He came up with that. I'm not that clever. Um, <laughs> and Bobby likes to spook you on my YouTube channel. Um, I review horror movies, theme ratings, uh, collab with other horror content creators. There is a great time. Um, so I'm trying to stay busy in the world of horror. So yeah, yeah. you can find me there. And Bobby Torres with a Z, not an S, on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, I will have links to all that in the show notes because you must follow this spooky boy. We had uh, such a good time chatting with you, Bobby. Um, and this will go ahead and close out the month. Um, for Black Horse Cinema again, February short month, but we have um a extended month next month. Um, March has five weeks in it, five Tuesdays. So we decided we're going to hop into another franchise. Um, it is Women's History Month. Garrett, you want to tell them what uh what we're talking about? We are going to be diving deep into the Slumber Party Massacre series. Uh, Devon and I are both kind of tried into uh, uh, un- unfettered water here. Neither of us yeah. have really seen either. Of, uh, I've seen the first one. That's it. Devon hasn't seen any of them. He's nope. a Slumber Party Massacre virgin. So we're going to be diving on deep in there. Very excited to do so. 
uh, we might cap off the month with uh, something a little special to be yeah. decided. Yeah, we're going to uh, cover the original trilogy and then um, the remake that did just happen. I know a lot of people, this is news to some, uh, didn't know, but they just did a remake that's apparently pretty good. Um, a lot of people seem to like it, so excited to dive into that. So yeah, get your get your drills ready. As we go into a 80s slasher franchise that is directed by all female directors, which is super cool. So I'm excited to um, really dive into those. Um, But yeah, so excited to get going with that. We will be talking the first Slumber Party Massacre next episode, uh, maybe with a guest. Might just be me and Garrett. We'll see. Um, But anyways, Garrett, um, what are you working on right now? Where do the people find you? Uh, you can find me on YouTube and Twitter and Letterboxd at Garrett McDowell. I also have a Star Wars podcast if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, and if you're wanting to see some more uh, horror movie talk from me, uh, stay tuned to my YouTube channel. I'll be putting out a review of the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You can get all of my thoughts <laughs> there. Uh, Bobby's clapping. Going to have to tip his hand a little bit. He liked it. Did I like it? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, I got all the, the the thoughts and opinions there. So, yeah, shoot me a message on Twitter if you want to talk some movies. Love to. I can't wait to check that out. Yeah. You haven't watched it yet? No. Well, your review, I've seen yeah. it. Oh, right? I was about to say. Oh. I was like, you were clapping for a movie. You haven't I seen got, it. Wow. <laughs> no, I, no I, I've seen it, and I got a tech because of my opinion. But Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I got a, I got a taste of uh, Garrett's uh, Texas Chainsaw Review. So, yeah, you guys definitely don't want to miss that. Make sure you go and subscribe to his channel. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore daddy disco. Um, you can hear me on uh, the pod and the pendulum podcast. Sometimes they have like a rotating panel. Um, we're going through the Chucky series. I'll be hopping in for curse of Chucky here in a couple of weeks. So I'm uh, excited for that. And then you can also find me on the breaking waves podcast. That is through beta wave TV, where I get to interview, um, cool artists out here in LA. Um, and that's a super fun time as well. So if you're into any of that, if you're not sick of my voice by the end of listening to this episode, go listen to that stuff. But that's going to go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday, so make sure you're subscribed to not miss a single one. You can follow us on social media at Bloody Blunt's Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And until next time, guys, stay lifted. <laughs>